Weiter schreiben. We have a list on our website, warrocketajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the War Rocket Ajax Every Story Ever special. For September 2023, my name is Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is here as well with me to rank comic book stories. That's true. I'm here, and I'm, uh, some would even say, with you as always. <laughs> That's right. And we're going we're gonna to rank some comics on the show, as we off- always do here on Every Story Ever. Chris, before we get into the rankings, could you let folks know about the state of the Every Story Ever list? Matt, I sure can. I sure can. What we are looking at is a list that we have been working on for nearly 10 years. Yes, almost a decade strong. Almost a decade. We are at 1,477. 1,477 entries on the list. Which means, since it's an odd number, we actually do have a uh, an exact midpoint comic right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, which let, let me see here: fourteen seventy seven divided by two. Number seven hundred and thirty nine is going to be the midpoint of the list. Uh, top of the list, you know what those are. We say them frequently, uh, but the absolute midpoint at this point. Is 2019's Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, which is a pretty good comic book. I have it as seven. I have that as seven thirty-eight currently. Oh yeah, that's seven thirty-eight. Sorry, uh, seven thirty-nine is, is Ultimate Fallout number four, the first Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically, pages pretty... fourteen through twenty, a six. I guess a seven-page uh, entry into every story ever. I think that's a good midpoint. I think that's a good, solid midpoint of the list. Yeah, the first good, appearance, of Miles Morales. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to the show, you know what the bottom and top of the list are. I don't know that we need to go any further into that. I don't think we do because if this is the first time you've listened to the show, then I don't. I think you should go back a little bit. The Every Story Ever <laughs> specials are pretty good. I would say at least go back to the one where we re-rank Maximum Carnage. That one is pretty special. That one is pretty yeah. special. For sure. Uh, Alright, well, let's make this one special, Chris. Let's. It is a special, so, so let's make it that. I, I saw a guy, speaking of making it so... I was at a convention this weekend, and I saw a guy who looked just like your dad, Jean-Luc Picard, in full costume. That was a roller coaster of a sentence, because yeah. I had I briefly forgot that my dad was Jean-Luc Picard, <laughs> yeah. and so I was like, "How do you know what my dad looks like?" <laughs> I met Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, of course, my my, my the man who raised me. Captain JLP. 
Yeah. He approached my table and didn't buy anything like everybody. And uh, I said to him, make it so. And this like mountain Southern voice came out of his mouth. And I thought I was having an out of body experience. <laughs> he, was what like, did he, say? he was like, he's like, that's right. Make it so. And Hilarious. <laughs> I was like, ah. Anyway, all right. Fantastic. Here's Love our, that. Love that for you. Yeah. Here's our first list from Lou Shoemaker. Now, I know we have ranked some things that are on this list already. Okay. All right. And I have a feeling there are going to be other things that we have not read. But let us proceed. First okay. up. A comic we have ranked, Immortal Hulk, numbers 1 through 50. That's a good-ass comic. It's a good-ass comic. And that should be uh, evidenced by the fact that it is at number 56 on the list currently. Yeah. Second on Lou's list is The Last Annihilation. A crossover in which Dormammu turns into a planet. Does he turn into a... I did not read it. Does he turn into a planet like... Like... Ego, though? So it's just like a big, like, weird Dormammu head planet? Because that sounds dope. Like a big burning planet? Yeah, but like, specifically with, like, the vertical lines. Like how, for some reason, uh, Marvel Comics used to represent people who were on fire. That's right, yes. I feel like we read at least part of this in our Guardians of the Galaxy catch-up. Our Al Ewing Guardians of the Galaxy catch-up. I don't think we did. I certainly do not remember reading it. Or did we stop before that? I I don't... Alright, let's see. Let's see. Last Annihilation was... It, I mean, it was written by Al Ewing. Oh, I see. We stopped. We stopped right as Last Annihilation was starting. Because we ranked issues 1 through 15. Okay, yeah, it starts at number 16. Yeah. Uh, And includes an issue of Cable. That's great. That's great for Cable to show up for that problem. As I recall, the reason we didn't read The Last Annihilation as part of our Guardians catch-up is it was either because it crossed over with other books or it wasn't finished yet. When we did the catch-up? Entirely possible. Uh, It looks like it finished in November of 2021. Okay. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Whatever the case, we have not read it. Um, Because we stopped our Guardians of the Galaxy reread. Just, or not reread, read. Just before it started. So, yeah, our catch-up. I think, as I remember... Go ahead. I'm looking at the cover to Guardians of the Galaxy number 18, and it does have, like, an Ego the Living Planet Dormammu 
who is like yeah. has its mouth open and mindless ones are spewing from this this Dormammu planet mouth, which sounds fucking awesome. All right, I give. We should probably read this. We should probably read and this. Uh, Doom's on the team in it. Oh right, I, I think that was set up uh, in the previous issues. Yeah, this Guardians just sounds good, man. Yeah, I mean, I liked that Guardian series a whole bunch. So, yeah, I, it's I, I like. I remember talking about how fun and weird it was to have years of comics that were making Star Lord into movie Star Lord, and then this comic comes along and turns him back into weird seventies Marvel comics Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Wild, yeah. Third on Lou's list is Sword, the 2020 series, issue number eight, in which Storm duels Tarn. That also sounds pretty good. I haven't read it, though. I haven't read it, yeah. If I'm being one hundo, I'm not even sure that I remember there being an Al Ewing run on Sword. I, it, it I certainly don't good. recall. Yeah, yeah. It kind of. I think it. It was part of, you know, Krakoa era X Men, and mm-hmm. I think it maybe just for me got kind of buried under some of the other stuff going on uh, at that time. But the description of this issue sounds rad as hell. So. Another one we should probably read at some point. There are three backups that Lou sent us, two of which we have already ranked. Uh, Defenders 2021, numbers one through five. And Empire, Empire, numbers one through five. We've ranked both of those already. The one we haven't ranked is Avengers number 675 through 690, No Surrender. Refresh my memory, man. I know I read some of this. This was the Mark Wade, Al Ewing, Jim Zub Avengers. Yeah. Like they were all writing it, and I think it was coming out weekly. Yeah, I. I. Did. I. Feel like that is one of the archetypical started it, really liked it, did not finish. Yeah. Comics. Yeah. I think it was what was happening in Avengers just before the Jason Aaron run started. Uh so it was like it was like twenty eighteen. Yeah, it was twenty eighteen. It, it was coming out weekly. And so it was like, yeah, like th- it was the Avengers book for at least like the first half of 2018. Um, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, 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 as I recall what I read of it, I, I enjoyed quite a bit. 
it uh it it had uh the lethal legion in it I do like them yeah as well as the black order so you, you ebony maw fans got what you wanted if you're into Corvus Glaive, that's right. If if you're aching for some Proxima Midnight, you got her. Who among us is not aching for Proxima Midnight, Matt? <laughs> that's a good point. But I don't feel confident to rank this because I definitely feel like it was a hey, I read part of it, but not all of it kind of deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, It seems like we're getting a lot of good recommendations for stuff to catch up on, which doesn't seem like doesn't seem like listeners are going to be happy. <laughs> but I do, I do want to reiterate the bit of this show is that we have ranked probably 1,400 of these 1,477 comics from memory. That's true. That's true. Well, probably less than that, because people wanted to fucking send us uh, comic strips for a long time, and that was not fun for me. We would do those... We would do those live. Those we would do live. For a while, we would say, fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah, for a while. But and, not, and then not anymore. It, 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 it eroded my soul to do that. <laughs> All right. Then we're going to move on to another list now from Patrick O'Duffy. You know him. He's the boss dog. He's the boss dog. D- despite his continued attempts... To not be the boss dog? I'm sorry, Patrick O'Duffy. It, that is your lot in life. You, you, you have been branded boss dog. This list from Patrick O'Duffy is called Chris referenced the Brave and the Bold when talking about getting his new tattoo, and it sent me down a Bob Haney, Jim Aparo K-hole. Oh, hell yeah. This was your new tattoo from a year ago, by the way. <laughs> Because Which this list was from sent a year, to us a year ago. ago. It, would have, so it would have been my my Pokemon tattoo, which is weird for that to for me to have mentioned. I mean, it's not weird for me to have mentioned uh, the Bob Haney, Jim Aparo, Brave and the Bold in virtually any context in which I can fit it. Uh, mm. But it is weird for me to have brought that up in the context of a tattoo I got that is a Pokemon with a Bible verse. <laughs> You contain multitudes. It's true. It's true. It's damn true. Uh, first, it's damn true. First on Patrick's list is The Brave and the Bold, number 118. The story is called May the Best Man Die, in which Batman and Wildcat fight a boxing match to stop the Joker's evil plan. And we learn yes. the Joker isn't an anti vaxxer <laughs> First of all, I believe this is the comic that establishes that Batman has to put a code. Again, this is for memory, so this might not be correct. I believe this is the comic where Batman has to put a code into his uh, Batmobile. 
like he's got like a little keyboard on the dashboard and in order to start it you have to you have to put it in right and do you know what the code is it's a number right or is it a is it not a number it's not a number it is not a number Boy, I don't even want to try to guess. You t- you tell me what the code is. It is the word Batman. <laughs> I know that's in a Brave and the Bold that has the Joker in it. It might be the one where Batman and the Joker team up. Uh, and not in this Wildcat one. The Wildcat one is bananas. Because it has a... It, first of all, it has the Joker trying to kill a dog. Uh, by like literally tying a cinder block around his neck and throwing it into the Gotham City River. Yes. There's a, there's a, uh, prominent dog catcher in the story. Or is, is the Joker, is the Joker the dog catcher? Joker kidnaps this dog and the dog has the vaccine for some MacGuffin disease in its blood, and the Joker's gonna kill the dog unless Batman and Wildcat beat each other to death in a boxing match. Yeah. There's definitely a panel of a a goon, a Joker goon, holding this dog and pointing a gun right at its head. <laughs> Which I believe is a reference to the National Lampoon cover. Oh, yes. I think you're right. That yes. is, if you don't buy this magazine, we'll kill this dog. Yeah. yeah Which is a yeah. wild thing for Bob Haney to see in 1973 and then build a an entire comic book around it. Yeah, this was April of 75, so that's 100% what happened. Having looked through this whole issue, I do not see a scene where Batman actually drives the Batmobile. Okay, then so, that's, that's in the one where he teams up with the Joker. Okay, okay. Um, so, so just... Just to be clear, this is not the, this is not the issue where Batman puts in a code for the Batmobile that is Batman, right? But it is the one where the Joker does try to murder a dog. That's like making your email password well your own name. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very very similar to that. <laughs> I could have sworn you were going to say that his Batmobile password was Dick. But if it was, that would be a meme now. It would. Yeah. Do you remember when there were people who were so unfamiliar with comic book lettering and so easily duped that they, that first of all, they thought Solid Dick was at any time a a slang term mm-hmm. and also that it was in a comic, a Marvel comic book about how Captain America was going to get some solid dick from Iron Man. If you didn't know that that was super fake, then I am sorry, but also you deserve to be fooled. Well, what, something you got to realize about lots of people on the internet is that <laughs> they're 12 years old. And so, if they see 
the panels where the Joker is talking about all his boners. But that's, and that's real. real. And that's yeah. real. Then why wouldn't you believe that there was some old slang phrase, solid dick, even though there wasn't? You know? Yeah. But I mean, like, Unless, I saw that shit on Twitter from adults. Not, I, I wouldn't on fucking Roblox, Matt. <laughs> uh, that's a fair point. So this story ends, by the way, with Batman and uh, Wildcat are having their boxing match, and they knock each other out. It's a double KO. Real dusty finish to this match. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they. Any, I don't think DC Comics would allow that to happen now. For Batman and Wildcat to knock each other out, well, there's it's no way you bring that up, Matt. Uh huh. Because you know that. I mean, it's not now, obviously, but you know that, like, twenty years later, this this story was essentially remade. As a J- Justice League Unlimited episode? No, as as th- this is the... I don't know if it is the direct inspiration, but like I feel like it's very much... It is very much... It very much feels like the uh, 1997 Batman Wildcat three-issue miniseries was oh, heavily yeah. inspired by this because it does involve oh, yeah. like the cover of, uh, of number three, I think is very much like the cover of this comic. And then there was another Batman wildcat sto- uh, series from 2017 that I did not read. Well, I'm just saying Batman's going to win that fight in DC comics. Now, every time, every time, I mean, he should wildcats an old man. I don't care how good he is at boxing. So they they knock each other out. Joker's like, "I'm now I'm going to kill the dog anyway." Ha ha ha! What a piece the dog shit. bites. Then the dog bites him and runs away, and goes running off. And uh, he's like, "Oh!" And Batman tells him. That the dog's saliva has this what like made up disease in it. Uh-huh. It's it doesn't have the cure, it has the disease in it. It's like a carrier for the disease. So Joker's like, I can't die, you gotta get that dog. And the dog goes running like off a pier. Or no, what if Joker's henchman is throwing the dog off yeah, a pier he, with like a rock tie to a walk around his neck? Yeah. Like that famous scene from Mr. Nanny, where someone in the background is throwing a dog into the water? Okay, that dog doesn't have a rock tied around it, though. No. no. But that is such a but, weird scene to try and figure out what is happening. <laughs> I defy you to even try to figure out what's happening. Well, because Hulk Hogan's just... He's just riding by in a motorcycle, and somebody in the background is throwing a dog into the water. Yeah, it's clearly not part of the movie. Yeah. But it's it's so fucking bananas. Because it, it, it's not like there's like a thing 
tied around the dog's neck. It's not like he looks like he's trying to drown the dog. Because he's standing, like, on the side of a, like, basically there's just, like, a canal or something to the side. I'm sure that shit was shot in Tampa or whatever. Um, But it's also, he does not look like he is playing. No. Like, it does not look like either him or the dog are having fun. The the wild thing to me is they saw that take and they were like, that's the one. <laughs> Didn't the idea that there would have been a second take for them to choose is laughable. That's true. That's a fair point. So anyway, the dog is getting thrown into the into the bay and Joker jumps off the pier and he's like, I must save him. And then he falls in the water and he's like, I forgot. I don't know how to swim. And uh, and Batman saves the dog, but he doesn't save Joker. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, I guess they get the Joker, and he gets taken to jail. Yeah, but boy, Batman doesn't come out of that water with the Joker, does he? <laughs> no, he comes out of that water with the dog. He comes out of that shit with the dog. Yeah, which you know what? Good on him. Good on him. Good on him. Uh, this comic. I do not usually enjoy media in which dogs are imperiled. But this comic is so fucking goofy in a way that I find very entertaining that it's like, look, I'm going to say this right now and I don't give a shit if it makes me sound like a super old man. Cause you know what? I am an old man and I'm also right. You should never go into a Detective Comics comic thinking they might kill this dog. You should see, if there is a dog in danger on the cover of a DC comic, you should know. And it's it's actually not on the cover. You don't you don't find out about about the dog until several pages into this. But but if like if there's a dog in a DC comic. You should be able to rest easy knowing that dog is safe. Yes. That dog. Yes. D- 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 dogs. Nothing bad should happen to a dog in a DC comic. And I think if you, if you if you are creating a detective comics comic where something bad could happen to a dog, you have fucked up. <laughs> so it's like you you. By the time the dog shows up, you're like, yeah, this dog's going to be fine. But a dog being in danger is a great excuse for two superheroes to have no other choice but to beat each other to death. With weighted cestai. I both appreciate the fact that there's a dusty finish to their boxing match and am frustrated. Like... It's always frustrating when there's not a definitive winner in a contest. But I also kind of appreciate how that that's not something DC Comics would do anymore, you know? They I do would not think it let them tie. I do think it is important to note that this is specifically a boxing match. So yeah, much like Superman is... versus Muhammad Ali, it is it is Wildcat's specialty and not Batman's specialty. I still well, think I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say much like Superman 
versus the Flash in a race. Like, the yeah. Flash does one thing, which is run. Superman does a lot of other things. Wildcat does basically one thing, which is boxing. Batman does a lot of things. Yeah. If you write a, if you write a comic with Wildcat, or you draw a comic with Wildcat in it, and he kicks, you have also fucked up, but not as bad as the yeah, dog thing. You've made a mistake. Hit me with a with a ballpark for ranking this story because it's it's goofy and fun. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's good in the way that Bob Haney, Brave and the Bold, are good. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. the best of those for sure, though. Uh, like, it's highly enjoyable. Um, we actually have it on the list already, Matt. It's on the list already. It's on the list already. It's at number 790. Oh, am I? Uh, have we already done this list? I don't think we've done this list because this this was this is an old entry. It does not have my metadata in it. So okay. this is one that we did a significant amount of time ago. Okay. Okay. But you know, it's fun to talk about. I'm not seeing the other ones. Well, actually, one of them is on here for sure. That is Brave of the Bold number 124, uh, which is the Sergeant Rock team-up issue. That's a good one. They fight Hitler in that one. Yeah. In the 70s. So, or is that the, the only one? one... Like... Go ahead. Never mind. Go on. No, no, I want you to ask your question. Well, there's there's one of those where it's just in the 70s, and, like, I I feel like, th- th- like there's a Hitler clone or something that they go fight, but there's also one of those where it's just in the 40s, and it's not, like, it is never mentioned, like, this is Earth 2 Batman or whatever. It is, it's just like, hey, I'm Batman, and I'm in the 40s today. Like, it's fun. It's fun. Bob Haney doesn't give half a shit about continuity. I love him. Yeah. The, the 124 is the one that has Bob Haney and Jim Aparo in it also. Oh, that one's good as hell. Yeah. That's on the list at number 505. This one we have not ranked. So, Patrick, I'm sorry. Two of your submissions on your list are already on the list. This one is not on the list, though. It is Brave of the Bold number 120. The Earth is Mine, in which Batman gets drawn into the future by, quote-unquote, Indian magic to team Ooh. up with Kamandi. Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a rough row there. Because that, I that's definitely this story is good. Yeah, the 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 premise of how Batman gets to the future pretty rough. The actual yeah. Batman Commandy stuff is is interesting. Although it does start with Batman chasing down Commandy. Yeah, cuz he cuz he is he's Captain Bat. Uh, Because when he comes to the future, 
You know, you know the premise of Commandy. Yes. <laughs> that it's adventure time. It's just adventure time. Commandy's just adventure <laughs> time. That's a secret that people won't tell you. Um, so all of the, like, Commandy's the last boy because they're still a bunch of, like, uh, like, but they're, like, animal people who are uh, hunting down, hunting people down. And there are of various moralities. And so Batman is accosted by uh, uh, slavers and uh, yeah, beasts shoot out of them. They are gorillas, I believe. You you say it's Adventure Time. This issue is one thousand percent just Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yes. I mean, yes, that's actually the direct. Like it is Jack Kirby's Planet of the Apes. His command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I don't see I don't see the thing about the magic, but I I think it's just It's been a minute since I've given one, so much of this reading. I oh, think it's just oh, one. There it is. There it is. Yeah. 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 Uh yeah, the the old the old man uh used magic to use Native American magic to bring uh, Batman to the future. What's wild about this is that Commandy is like, I know who this is. This is Batman. He's from from the before times. And I know that because I have a copy of Brave and the Bold number 118 where Batman and Wildcat fight. Yeah. <laughs> and he just fully pulls out that comic. I have that fucking wild issue where Joker's going to shoot a dog. Yeah. I will say, other than other than than the again, not excusing it. It's 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 weird. It's I don't. It's it's bad. Other than that, this is a very fun story. Yeah, it's not really even integral to the story. It's just one line of explanation as to how Batman got there. And like, you, you could easily change it to just be like, "Yeah, it, it, he used magic. This old man yeah. just used magic, and he could, didn't quite do it right." You know, yeah. that's all you got to do. It's just it was nineteen seventy six, so they were like, "Oh, it's he, it's Native American magic," and so he got it wrong because he's not. Native American. <laughs> Which that is, was probably like a fairly progressive take for the uh for the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's also a bit about how Batman is here, but he's also in a hospital bed in nineteen seventy five still. Oh yeah, because it's astral projection to the future. You know how it works. You have yeah, read no. much worse stories about Batman astral projecting himself into the past that involve Depictions of Native Americans that are shockingly bad. True. Yeah. Well, what do we think on this one? I don't think it's as good as either of the other Brave of the Bold stories we talked about. It's not. I do like that Batman does immediately recognize, oh, these must be animal people. 
And therefore, since I am dressed as a bat, I can pretend to be an animal person. Right. Like, he assesses that in about half a second. What are, The world's greatest detective, man. <laughs> this, this is the true sign of being a great detective, is being like, hey, they'll think I'm an animal man. I'm going to say this is better than the Phalanx Covenant, which is at 11.04. Okay. But I do think it is worse than that time Ghost Rider fights the Avengers, which is at number 10.95. All right. So is it better than the first Archie story? I would probably rather read it again than the first Archie story. Okay. Is it that Detective Green Arrow question annual crossover called Fables? Oh, you mean the only comic called Fables? Well, the other one is now public domain. Finally, we can all tell stories about Snow White. (laughs) The fuck are you talking about public domain? With this. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's like Bill Willigan walked out of his house and said, Public domain! And he thought that would work. Not a lot of of gifts we've had on the show that I wish I could take back. (laughs) He's, He's one of them. For sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, n- no, it's not that good. I think it goes at 1103. All right, the new number 1103 is Brave and the Bold, number 120. 120. 120. Uh, and that is Haney Aparo. Uh, there is a backup here since we've already ranked two of these. It's from DC Special number eight from 1977. Hell is for Heroes by Bob Haney and Rick Estrada, in which Batman teams up with Sergeant Rock, Deadman, and Sherlock Holmes to fight the devil. Fuck, that sounds good. I definitely this read is, that. Let's see, DC Special. Number eight. Yeah, DC special number eight. I'm assuming this is one of many stories in this book. And that is correct. A lot of reprints in DC special number eight. I think that was the deal with DC special. It was all reprints except for like one. Yeah, it was like, uh, I am I. Am I misremembering, or was DC Special a? It was either I think it was a might have been a digest size book. No, that was Blue Ribbon Digest. DC Special was a. It, it was like primarily a reprint book though, because it was uh, launched as a as a dollar comic, so it was like a cheap but big reprint book. Okay, I see. Uh, this story, um fully rules uh this shit opens with a guy uh like putting a bomb on the underside of a seesaw that a child is playing on and batman jumps over a fence stomps on the seesaw launches the child over a metal fence into the waiting arms of commissioner gordon 
and then it explodes. That's like the Transporter 2. That is exactly like the Transporter 2. You're right. It could not be more like what would have happened in the Transporter 2. Yeah. I mean, if it was on a car instead of a seesaw, maybe. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you this. It's taken me a while to kind of realize it and and come to terms with it, because this is not a thing that I'm, like, stoked about admitting. I kind of don't fuck with dead men. I mean, I get it. I think dead man can be fun. But also, I, I kind of just want him in small doses. You know? Like, I, Dead Man is not a character I can see sustaining like a long, ongoing series. And neither does DC Comics. You, do you know about Bob? I believe it was Bob Haney. It, it it might be someone else, but I think it did happen in Brave and the Bold, so it was almost certainly Bob Haney. Uh, giving Deadman like a permanent secret identity that then no one ever used because it was Bruce Wayne's brother. <laughs> who Bruce Wayne so didn't this, know about. So that predated Boston Brand? No, no, no. Like, it, it, Deadman was still like the body of Boston Brand, but he had like a permanent like human alter ego that he could be. That was going to be like, like he's like, I'm just going to take over this guy's body forever because he had been, it's actually uh, what Scott Snyder references with uh, the Lincoln March stuff. Um, Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he's in a, he's in a like car accident when like Bruce is a baby and he's a couple years older. And then uh, he gets a head injury that turns him into a boomerang assassin. (laughs) <laughs> and then Batman's like, fuck this dude. I, I do not want to deal with that. Uh, I, I am just gonna, you can have, you can have him. You can have his body. It's like bad. It is bad all around. Okay. I, I was looking at the wrong thing earlier. There's no reprints in this issue of DC special. Oh, it is a completely wrong though. There, there was a different book called DC Special in the '60s that was mostly reprints. Okay, okay. This is a forty-six, forty-five page issue that's all just this one story, and it is bananas. Yeah, oh yeah, they like, really uh, do fight the literal devil. Yeah, they fight. The the Christian Satan, um, who has summoned his uh, army of the undead, which includes, of course, uh, Guy Fox, Nero, oh. Benedict Arnold, Bluebeard, you know from Fables, he's in the public domain now, uh, right. Jack the Ripper, and Adolf Hitler. Oh shit. This story also, so the guy who's putting the bomb under the kid's seesaw, 
That's the Mad Bomber from the Grey Ghost episode of Batman the Animated Series. Is he? Yeah. The the character that... Uh, uh, why can't I think of the right name? Bruce Timm. Bruce Timm. That Bruce Timm voices, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had Tim Sale on my brain, I because I, the name Tim. But uh, yeah, like... Uh, it is. It is definitely. I'm. He's not like putting bombs on little toy cars, but he looks like that character. This is wild, man. Yeah, this is, this is a wild comic book. It's good. I like it. Uh, the devil Lucifer is ultimately defeated by uh, the appearance of Ramakrishna, the spirit of the universe. Yeah, you know, who who brought Dead Man back to life. That makes sense. Yeah. In, like, the most, like, 1970s psychedelic panel you've ever seen. Yeah, Batman Somebody saw gets, fucking... Go ahead. Batman gets his fucking ass beat constantly in this comic. Yeah, Jim, or, uh... Bob Haney loved writing Batman getting his ass beat. Oh yeah, there's I, I mean my was... favorite uh Brave and the Bull is the one where Batman fucking dies on page two. And then the <laughs> Adam has to jump around in his brain to make him punch people. <laughs> That's a great fucking comic. Yeah. Man, this shit this shit is bonkers. Yeah, man, I fucking love Bob Haney. God, these Brave and the Bolts are so good. Uh, that, all right. I, feel- I see comics like this and I'm like, we used to be a proper country. <laughs> Is this, do you want to rank, do you feel comfortable to rank DC Special Series issue number eight? Uh, yeah, man, it rules. Okay. Give me, give me a spot then. Give me an area. Uh, let's see. I mean, it, look. Batman does fight the fucking devil in it. That's worth That's, something. Yeah. He's the, the devil is ultimately defeated, though, more or less by Dead Man. Right. Uh, I would say, like, I'm looking, I'm looking in the high triple digits. Okay. So, nine hundreds. You're saying the the Tony Hawks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, I feel like this is better than Captain Victory, which we just recently read. I, don't, I can buy that. I don't think it's as good as Calvin and Hobbes, Tyrannosaurus, and F4, uh, F-15s. Okay. So I think so- that, I, I think we put it below Silver Star, above Swamp Thing 32. And that puts it at number what? 959. Okay. Uh, So at the new number 959, DC Special Series number 8. And I'm just going to put in parentheses Batman, Sergeant Rock, Dead Man, Sherlock, versus Lucifer. 
Which is what that story is. It sure is. Also, looking through here, so Dick Giordano did some of the art in this issue, but it seems like most of the art is by Rick Estrada. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this this was such a massive visual influence on Batman the Animated Series. Like, not only is that Bomber character in this, the visual look of this is so reminiscent of Batman the Animated Series. It really is, because um, Rick Estrada does the thing with Batman's trunks, where he colors them all black, but makes like the, the shine line uh, blue. Which yeah. is like a big like I remember Bruce Tim talking about that specifically, and then Ed McGinnis talking about that specifically about stealing it from Bruce Tim. Like but yeah, like he, Gordon, he does a lot of like yeah. Gordon looks exactly like animated series Gordon, and Batman's jawline is like right on the money. Yeah, he is a he is a. Could cut vegetables with it. <laughs> All right, that's it for this list from Patrick. Thank you, Patrick, for sending that in. Uh, here is another list from Philip Neff, which is David Craft stories. I thought you had ranked already, or you you would have ranked already. Hey, you know what? I'm liking I'm liking this trend of people sending us weird Bronze Age shit. Yeah, man, that that's that's what we're here for. That's what we can really deliver. That's that shit I do like. Although I I do wonder how many of these we've actually read. Do, we'll I've read a handful we'll of Dave Anthony we... Craft books, Matt. All right. Well, how about Defenders number forty six and forty five through eighty? Who remembers Scorpio? Okay, well, no, I the Defenders. That. That's a Defenders comic. The Defenders and Moon Knight go to an unwilling Hulk into helping them confront a deranged Jake Fury LMD. Ah, oh, it sounds good, but I have not read it. Defenders is a big blind okay. spot for me. Yeah. Okay. How about Marvel Premiere numbers 45 through 46, Other War slash Star God, in which Man-Wolf learns he is actually a Star God and must fight to save Otherworld. Boy, you know I've read that! <laughs> you know I've read about the Star God. Because that shit goes back to Campbell. Way, yeah, yeah. Of course, I've read the one where hero astronaut John Jameson uh, finds out he's a fucking space god werewolf. What what issue numbers? Oh, forty five and forty six. Look at the fucking cover. To Marvel premiere number 45 and tell me you think that comic doesn't kick ass. I mean, that's good. It this, looks I remember good. this, like, this is a, a very specific subgenre of Bronze Age comics that I like to call custom van comics. Because <laughs> this shit should properly be on a custom van. This cover yeah. is a, a chalk white werewolf in green scale armor that yes just has little trunks no legs he got corsair boots a little garter around one of his thighs 
He's swinging a sword, and there's multiple dudes on Pegasi flying through space behind him. Space is hot pink. He's wearing gold bejeweled gauntlets, and he's got a He-Man sword. Yeah, bud. And the Man Wolf logo on this is like that should be on a custom van. Yeah. What's wild is like it's kind of the Wolverine logo, right? Like this is pre-Wolverine, like pre-Wolverine yeah. having his own comic, but that's like they had the font, they had the font ready to go. They did. They did. Whew. Yeah, boy. Uh, this shit owns. <laughs> this shit rules, actually. This is like Masters of the Universe before Masters of the Universe. Yeah, man. It's so that aesthetic. In it's every a- conceivable way. The last page of this comic is a fucking splash page of a werewolf with a sword. The sword also has a wolf on it. And it's yes. it's it's hero astronaut John Jameson, son of uh brilliant newspaper publisher John Jonah Jameson Jr. Correct. Saying, Hear me, arisen Turk. That's with a Y, it's a guy's name. In the name of my comrades Sashiel and Bark, B-A-R-Q, the one with bite. I swear vengeance. From this moment on, the man wolf is out for your stinking blood. <laughs> you, you know what cartoon actually did almost certainly come directly out of this comic book? Thundercats? Thundercats? Yeah. Yeah. What if this but cats instead of dogs? Correct. Like, the design is exactly Thundercats. Yeah, I Down feel to like the sword that has a wolf on it. I feel like we don't talk enough about how um, Manwolf, the star god, John Jameson, the third, um, like, fucking goes Super Saiyan. <laughs> like, like, gets so mad about his his comrades that, like, he vaporizes dudes with his mind. Something we have not mentioned up to now, but we absolutely should, is that the art in this is by George Perez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, it, it's people good love to too. talk about how, like, it's really good. People love to talk about how George Perez, like, oh, he could put so many characters on a page. And that's true. He did that often. But why don't we talk more about how George Perez drew badass wolves with swords? I wish that that had, like, defined his career in the way that, like, Crisis defined his career. Like, I wish Crisis had been more influenced by this comic. (laughs) Like, what if Crisis on Infinite Earths, instead of being complete fucking nonsense, was about a werewolf in tiny pants with a sword out for blood? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The answer is Crisis would have fucking rocked. And, uh, hilariously, after... Man Wolf goes Super Saiyan. He just goes home. Well, yeah. Like, 
<laughs> he just teleports home. <laughs> I love the <laughs> angst in this comic, too. Christine, how can you stand to even look at me? I was a killing animal. Now they say I'm a god, but what am I really, Chris? Do you think John Jameson, when he came back to Earth, do you think, because we know he was like, yeah, I was Star God on another planet, because that has come up again. Do you think he was like, I killed a lot of people, Dad? <laughs> Dad, I murdered several people with a sword and also laser eyes? But I promise you they deserved it. I mean, they were, they, Dad, they were bad. No, no, they weren't bad like Spider-Man. They were like for real bad. That's John Doom. I feel like I feel like J. Jonah Jameson would respond to that by saying, "It's okay, son. Let's just let's just not tell anybody else." Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I don't know. J. Uh, Jonah Jameson's done better. Maybe he'd be like, maybe maybe you should talk about this in therapy. He has gotten better. That's true. Was that's that true. a good J.K. Simmons? Because that sounded good in my head, but I am wearing headphones. I don't think it was bad. Okay. I'm not going to do it again. I don't think it was bad. Um, uh, we think of top we 10 this? on this? Top 10? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Matt, it fucking owns, though. It's good. It's good. It's very good. All right. Number 500 is Grant Morrison and Andy Kubert's Batman in Bethlehem from Batman number 666. I think this is better than that. Wow. Wow. And I do like okay. that comic. That comic's got Jack and Apes in it. Yeah. Okay. What it's not better than is the Grant Morrison Batman story that's just above that at 497 Joe Chill in Hell. No, that one's that one's really good. Yeah. Uh I think it's better than Goody Rickles. I think Goody it's better Rickles than Marvel Universe. Mess. I think it's better than Marvel Universe the end. We have we have found we have found the place. New number 498. Hey folks, go read this comic. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. tell us if we forgot something like really horrible about it. But do go read it. Uh, so that's Marvel Premiere, 45 and 46, Other War slash Star God. That is the new number 498. Third on Philip's list is Captain America number 271, The Mystery of X. In Ooh, which Cap, Cap acts as prosecutor in a trial by pro wrestling. All right. Well, that sounds good. That sounds good. This clearly and obviously predates our Groonies reread. I've, let's, cause, well, because it's a David Kraft joint, right? Yes. What issue number was that? 271. 271. 271. Okay. I might not have read this one. This is but David Kraft. Boy, that is pro wrestling as hell, isn't it? That is pro wrestling on the cover. That is like 
NES Pro Wrestling. You could imagine these two characters in Pro Wrestling on the NES. Uh, what th- th- this dude looks a lot like Starman, the guy Captain k- kicking Captain America. Yeah. Uh. Boy, wow, they're watching pro wrestling, and Cap says, you don't think this is real, do you, Bernie? Oh, this is the origin of Bernie liking pro wrestling. Yeah. Which does come back in the Grunwald issues. That does come back. That's interesting. Okay, so... Uh, David Kraft writing uh, Alan Kupperberg on the art in this one. Uh, according to, according to this professional wrestling, which we have to assume, I mean, this is New York. This is, this is Vince Senior's territory, right? Yeah, they're at MSG. Yeah, they're at MSG. Um, this, this fucking Bob Coddle looking motherfucker is doing commentary for this match. And he says, lots of wrestlers want that dropkick banned because there's no defense against it. Because... (laughs) Because much like Ray Phoenix, Mr. X can do like a a like jump off the top rope to the perpendicular top rope, then then do the drop kick, and it does, I believe, kill a man. Does it kill him or just severely injure him? Oh, it says he's dead. Oh, it says he's dead, yeah. That's right. So King Arthur is just a manager. He's King a retired Arthur is wrestler. A retired wrestler who no longer has the use of his legs, which is in dialogue. He is drawn standing and walking in every scene that he's in, but he does have a cane. So, so I guess that's just a phrasing issue, right? Like his legs are bad. Yeah. Yeah, like he's he's got a bum leg. He doesn't he <laughs> he has not lost the use of his legs. So he comes out of retirement to challenge Mister X, and then Cap shows up and is like, "No, I'll fight him," which is a real fucking John Cena 2011 move. It's very yes, it's very much that Mister. Uh, what is his name? King Arthur? It's not King Arthur. It's it's King Arthur, yeah. No, it is King Arthur. Okay. Yeah. So King Arthur is like, I have to challenge, because, yes, Mr. X kicks this dude and kills him. And King Arthur has to be like, I have to defend the legitimacy and the reputation of pro wrestling. <laughs> so that's why I'm challenging Mr. X. And that, yeah, then Cap goes to, like, the police station. And King Arthur's talking about, like, somebody's got to deal with this Mr. X. And Cap's like, I'll do it for you. I'll go, I'll go wrestle on your behalf. So he goes and has a wrestling match with Mr. X. Yeah, because he's literally, this is, this honestly... There's stuff in here that's, like, weird. Like, King Arthur says that he was the world champion five years in a row. That's not how uh, professional wrestling championships work, uh, which a lot of people, for some reason, 
don't get. I guess it's because that's how championships work in every other sport. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 you have killed a man, and so we need to settle this in the ring, and if you win, you're innocent, is the most pro-wrestling bullshit I have ever heard of. <laughs> that's that's the- custody of Dominic good. Yes. The match ultimately ends with Captain America positioning himself in the ropes like he's an arrow in a bow. Yeah, which is wild. And he springs off the ropes with the sound effect Bawong? Spear! He hits Spear! He hits, he hits Mr. X, Decac, and takes his mask off, revealing Mr. X to be a serial killer. Yes. Uh, Ray Deacon, the Midnight Slasher. Which, by the way, Cap, that is the most dishonorable thing I've ever seen Captain America do. Did Un- he un- unmask a fellow competitor in a match? Yeah. That's 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 the, the, heel tactics, brother. The audience should have booed him out of the building. Yeah, throwing batteries at him. But in the reality of this world, this version of pro wrestling, an actual serial killer can just put on a mask, and no one will recognize him, and he can go be a pro wrestler. Well, I mean, it is a full face mask, Matt, but that. There's a twist to the story, which is that Cap goes back and watches the tapes and finds out that it was a dip, like, they move similarly, but it's a different guy. He's like, that's not the guy who killed Jumpin' Jack Flash. So he goes to talk to King Arthur, and it turns out, brother... He was in on it the whole damn time. Yeah. Yeah. This is some Ole Anderson shit, man. And, and he tries to throw Captain experimental America. and illegal anabolic steroids. He tries to throw Captain America into an incinerator. And then they fight next to a ring that is the tallest wrestling ring I've ever seen. It is so high up. It it is like at Cap's shoulders and Cap is six four. Yeah. Canonically. Uh also that whole thing about King Arthur having a bum leg, that was a work, brother. That was a work, brother. Captain America worked himself into a shoot. He's running and jumping and attacking. And Captain America is throwing this guy full German suplex into this super tall ring head first. Yeah, um, that would have killed a man. Yeah. But yeah. Cap fucking belly to belly, head into the side, into the hardest part of the ring. That's right. This issue of Captain America is nuts. I heard everything. You, you had the wrestling world in the palm of your hand, but you had to have more. It drove you to betray everything you once held dear. Honor, wrestling, and your fans? <laughs> <sighs> Alright, is this as good as uh, that that uh, Star God? Oh, oh, then the, the, 
Ray Don Ray Donovan, not Ray Donovan. What's the guy's name? Uh, Ray Deacon, the Midnight Slasher. Um, he does get out of jail because it turns Even out he did murders. No, it turns out that he was freed from jail because five years after he was in prison, they did catch the real Midnight Slasher. And so he tried to turn his life around and uh, become a pro wrestler. You know, going straight. Wow, that is a twist. That is yeah. a twist. They what finally caught New movie? Jack five years later. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think about this issue, Chris? Um, I it is. I read this one as we talked about it because I had not read this issue before, which is wild, considering that it is like. It's a pro wrestling issue. Like, and that's very clear on the comic. Like, this is pro ass wrestling. Yes, very much so. Um this shit rules. I don't think it's as good as Man Wolf Star God, though. Probably not, but it is it does I would say, okay. Pros, the most pro wrestling bullshit I've ever seen. Including when yeah. he shows up for the match against Captain America, Mr. X comes down from the rafters. Like he's like, on like the he's on like the hanging microphone that they have at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I love this Bob Cottle looking motherfucker who they've got doing uh doing commentary. Um very pro wrestling. That's good. Bad stuff? Uh, exposes the business. Mm, yeah, for one thing. Also, uh, Cap taking off a a, 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 a luchador and mascarada's uh, mask in a in a match. That is not a stipulation of the match. It is not mask versus match. It's not a lucha de apuestas, which should have been. I the, also should have been the premise. There should be a page in here where Cap says, "If you beat me, I'll unmask." Ooh, that would also that would be good. That yeah. would be good. I uh, also think there's maybe too many twists. Like twists? it's it's Russo esque in its number of swerves. It did. It does seem like they they really hot shot at the angle. <laughs> they really did. They really did. Like. The guy be like, he's a serial. It'd be like this guy's a serial killer. Wait, no, this it, it's this other guy who's behind it all, and the guy, and then the guy's not really a serial killer. He's just that's convicted maybe, of being a serial killer. That's maybe too many things. It's maybe too many things. I'll I'll yeah. grant you that. Okay, how does this compare against another comic with prominent wrestling, Hellboy in Mexico? Not as good, right? Shit, that that has camazots in it, Matt. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. Hellboy in Mexico is number seven oh six. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that good. I don't think it's that good. I don't. I don't think it's that good either. Uh, let's see. Is it better than Animal Man numbers 25 and 26 where Buddy Baker meets Graham Morrison? No. Okay, just had to ask. Just had to ask. 
Let's see. Captain America 321 to 322 are at 784. Mimetic is at number 800. I don't think it's as good as the Doom comic, which is secretly good. Yes. That's at number 802. Okay. I do think it's better than what we have at 850, which is Valley Forge, Valley Forge. The Garth Ennis uh, Punisher story set in Vietnam. Yeah, I could... Okay, I, I don't think it's better than what's at 849, which is Mouse Guard. So, this is the new number 850. Specifically Mouse Guard, winner 1152. Yeah, yeah. The second Mouse Guard, yeah. That's right, yes. So, this is Captain America number 271, The Mystery of X. It's good, though. Read this comic. David, David Anthony Kraft, underrated, dude. Nobody talks about him. Nobody talks about David Kraft. Ever. Yeah, ever. Like, even in the days of, like, the heyday of comics blogging, no yeah. one was going back to these David Anthony Kraft books. Except, I mean, me. But that's it. Definitely worth going back and checking out this stuff. Yeah. Because it is a hoot. Like, I, I hesitate to call these comics good in the traditional sense, but they are fun at a minimum. Uh, so, okay, we got a backup from Philip. It is Giant Size Dracula number four, Let It Bleed. Uh, uh, which is by David Kraft and Don Heck. That's, that's um, sounds good. I gotta make a note that this is Captain America versus pro wrestling. Okay. <laughs> Captain America exposes the business. Captain America, no-selling, the backbiter dropkick, exposes the business. That's right. That's right. Uh, I have not read this giant size Dracula, so I can't speak to it. I'll say this. I'll say this. There's no way a comic called giant size Dracula can live up to its title. True. Very true. Dracula, like, every issue of Giant Size Dracula should be Dracula fighting Godzilla. Well, this issue of Giant Size Dracula does have a humongous heart in it. Uh, that is true. A giant pulsating so, living heart. There is something Giant Size in it, at least. <laughs> Here's something that might shock you, Matt. I have not read this comic, presumably because it was not drawn by Gene Colan. I mean, I like you know I like Don Heck just fine, but you know, yeah. Gene Colan. When you, if, if you want Marvel Dracula, you want Gene Colan. Yeah, that's that is true. Um, I, I I I will say, looking at the art in this issue, it's it's not entirely what I would want. I don't think it's bad. From, it's not bad, but it's it's like a little I don't know, it's kind of loose in a way that I'm not used to from these kinds of books, you know what I mean? Like cuz Gene Colan art is tight. It looks like an easy comic to me. Yeah, I can buy that. 
Uh, all right, so we're not going to rank this because we haven't read it. It looks enjoyable enough, but I, there's other Marvel Dracula stuff that I'm more of a fan of than I think I would be of this. Yeah, just looking at it. All right, Chris, our next list comes from Jesse Witham, and this is a list called Real People Guest Appearances. Okay. These are some issues in which comedians have appeared, and I don't mean one of the three Jokers. Okay. All right. I mean so, real-life so comedians. No criminals or clowns. That's right. One of these submissions we've already ranked, it is the Goody Rickles story from Superman, pa- Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 139 and 141. Talked about it this very night, even. That's right. Mentioned this very night. But we can rank the other two. First, it's live from New York. It's Saturday night from Marvel Team Up number 74. Chris, did you remember that this issue in which Spider-Man teams up with the cast of Saturday Night Live to take on Silver Samurai, <laughs> who has come to attack the set of Saturday Night Live, was written by Chris Claremont. Yes, I did. <laughs> Chris Claremont with uh, Bob Hall. Drawing yeah, uh, and editing. I... I like this because they are are credited on the cover. They are addressed as their proper title, the not ready for primetime players. That's right. And it is, I believe, this is the original cast. It is the original cast. Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Jane Curtin, Garrett Morris, Bill Murray, Lorraine Newman. Lorraine Newman! Gilda Radner! Well, it it is the... It would have been the cast from 1976 to 1980, because the first season in 1975 had Chevy Chase instead of Bill Murray. Mm, Okay. Chevy Chase was on the show for one year, was kind of the breakout star that one year he was on, because he would fall down and that was funny. And, uh, And so he went off to do movies and stuff. After the first season, and they replaced him with Dan or with uh, Bill Murray, but the it's it, it's the cast from those seasons, some sometime between 1976 and 1980. This is from 1978, so that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also, um, the host of this week's episode of Saturday Night Live is Stan Lee, mm-hmm. with musical guest Rick Jones. That's a good bit. <laughs> Musical guest. Yeah. Matt, can you yeah, do that is a an impression of Stan Lee introducing Rick Jones as the musical guest? Give me a ladies and gentlemen, Rick Jones. <laughs> right. Hang on. Hang on. Let me get in the headspace. One of your famous Wilson impressions. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got a fantastic musical guest for you this week. He's unbelievable rick jones that's the best i can manage hang on hang on hey frank caliendo can you put matt back on (laughs) we gotta do the show (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry my john madden is so good me frank caliendo 
Uh, also, Statler and Waldorf from the Muppet Show make a cameo appearance. But they're not Muppets. They're just dudes. They're like real people. Yeah. Yeah. The Mott out here being like, not a, not enough people. Is this the only example in comics history where the editor is also the penciler? I don't think so. Marvel was full of weird stuff like that. That's true. Bob Hall is doing both here. And I mean this in the most complimentary way possible. Turning in a mad magazine level of caricature of all these characters. Of all these, like, Gilda Radner and Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. I'll say this, though. I'll say this. Uh, fucking Bill Murray is so off-model in such a, like, we-we-made-this-guy-handsome way. Like, he, like, I'm, like, look, I'm not my wife who despises Bill Murray. Uh, <laughs> like, I-I got nothing against the man. Um, but, like, Everybody else is pretty spot on. Like, Gilda Radner especially. Like, he does a great Gilda Radner. Bill Murray is off. Bill Murray is not right. His Dan Aykroyd? Spectacular. Dan Aykroyd is great. Belushi looks good. Garrett Morris is in here dressed up like Thor. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't... He doesn't quite look like Garrett Morris. He does look like a guy who's in He looks like Robbie Robertson. I mean, he kind of does, yeah. That, that, that would have f- been good casting. I feel like this Bill Murray thing is like he had some kind of special conditions for his like likeness rights or something. Because everybody else is a Mad Magazine character, right? Mm-hmm. But Bill Murray, yeah, Bill Murray is like leading man handsome in here in a way he was not ever. Yeah. Stan you know Lee who could Garrett, not look more like Funky Flashman, by the way. He, does. he looks so much like Funky Flashman. <laughs> you know who Garrett Morris looks like in this? Because he's like out of the Thor costume by the end of the issue. He Who's looks that? like OJ. He does kind of look like OJ. But like OJ, like... Like OJ as we know him, not OJ in his prime. Yeah, that's he, fair. That's he a fair looks point. like OJ from those ads. He Yes, he looks like OJ from the like car rental ads. No, no, no. The, the, the ads that ran in comics that were the 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 juice oh. showing your heels those ads yes i wonder i or, wonder who drew those or like oj in the naked gun yeah a little bit a little bit yeah yeah you are not wrong about him looking like oj though that's all i can see now yeah yeah this book is fun it's i mean honestly it is a, like, I feel like this book, much more than, than Goody Rickles, is kind of the platonic ideal of celebrities appearing in Marvel Comics. Or, or celebrities appearing yeah. in comics. Because I, here, what I like about it is, 
it goes all out on all fronts, right? It goes all out on the Marvel superhero wackiness, but it also goes all out on the Saturday Night Live of it, where it's like, we don't just have the cast of Saturday Night Live. We've got Stanley hosting. We've got Statler and Waldorf in the crowd. We've got sketches going on while Silver Samurai is in backstage causing havoc. And of course, the, the big centerpiece is Silver Samurai is going to come face to face with John Belushi as his samurai character. The yeah. samurai delicatessen guy. And like, it's all pretty good. Yeah. To, to, to use more wrestling terminology, everybody gets their shit in. Everybody gets their shit in. Yeah. Like, if anybody's underserved, like, Saturday Night Live-wise, it's probably Bill Murray, who's just kind of standing around looking handsome in here. Like, Dan Aykroyd's showing up in goofy Cossack costumes and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, Everybody's getting their shit in, and that's good. Uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's it's goofy. It is in Marvel Comics continuity, which means I guess now, like sliding time scale, Marvel Comics. If we say this happened like t- ten years ago. <laughs> So who's the cast that this would have been now in fucking, 2013? Fucking Taron Killam and Abby Elliott. Bill Hader. Yeah, Bill Hader would be dressed as a samurai fighting Silver Samurai. I mean, honestly. This might be a pretty good comic. Vanessa Bayer. Vanessa Bayer would be Aiden in there. Bryant. Nassim Pedrad. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Bobby Moynihan. I would want it to be the one season that Tim Robinson was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Because you know Peter's into Tim Robinson. Oh, 2013, Tim Robinson was the year that Tim Robinson was in the cast. So, excellent. Perfect. Perfect. Wonderful. Uh, a lot of you know, Jay Farrow was on the cast then. A, a good crew. A good crew. I'm loving it, Matt. I'm loving that. I'm loving that this sliding time scale, that, that it worked out so well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be like. It wouldn't be Silver Samurai fighting John Belushi's samurai character, though. Like, it would have been like it would have had to be somebody else. Like, who were they? What were the the big recurring characters on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Stefan. Uh, Stefan. If you're going to do a Bill Hader character, it's Stefan. Oh man, that would be that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. To get who would fight Stefan? What Marvel comic supervillain would fight Stefan? Well, who's the like? Who's the Marvel villain who loves clubs? 
I was thinking, like, who's the Marvel villain who has everything? (laughs) Right. (laughs) They've got absolutely everything. Uh, I mean... Doctor Doom? Yeah, it could be Doctor Doom. could be Doctor Doom. Yeah. Yeah. The Hypno-Hustler. Stefan versus the Hypno-Hustler. And musical guest! The Hypno-Hustler! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this comic's pretty good. Uh, where do you want to rank it? Well, Goody Reckles is at number 500. It's better than that. It's honestly it's, I think better, it's better, like, than better than that. Better than that. It, it holds up pretty well. Yeah. I don't think it's as good well, as that Jughead story where Jughead dates Sabrina because she dresses up like a hamburger. Okay, well, is it better than that Man-Wolf Star-God story? Absolutely not. Okay. Is it better than Marvel Universe The End? Marvel Universe The End is pretty good. Okay, so we're we putting it right above Goody Rickles? Yeah, I guess so. The new number 500 is Marvel Team-Up. Number 74, live from New York at Saturday night. A comic that could be not could not be made today. Because No, it would have to be they'd have to get uh uh somebody from from Disney. They'd have to get They'd have to do a crossover with a show on the American Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah. So Spider-Man would have to I, go to fucking Dancing with the Stars or something. I, I, Matt, you can name 100% more ABC television shows than I can. <laughs> the only one I can think of that's like broadcast live that he could attend in, in an audience of is Dancing with the Stars. Okay, uh... Oh, uh, uh, Grey's Anatomy. That's an ABC show. There's what no takes Spider-Man to Shondaland? He could go somehow end up on the set of The Bachelor. That would actually be good. The Golden Peter. Bachelor. Peter, when you're ready. <laughs> Aunt May could be the Golden Bachelorette. Yes. Oh, that's Marvel. good, actually. Get in touch with us about this comic about how Aunt May is the Golden Bachelorette. <laughs> this is good. This is like, good. She's going to have a heartfelt date with some tender older man and tell tell him that her husband died in a shooting. I am. <laughs> I am on the the American Broadcasting Corporation website right now. Yeah, and I like. I feel like some of these shows are not real. Such oh, wait, as? Abbott Elementary. Abbott Elementary is good. Yeah, Abbott Elementary that's, is good, and it's on that's ABC. Set in Philly, though, and there's no Marvel characters in Philly. P- sure. Peter would fucking hate it. <laughs> the buildings aren't tall enough for him. Yeah. What What are the shows you think are fake? That one about mini golf. There's one about mini golf. There's one where they just play mini golf, yeah. And uh, and it's it's produced by uh, uh, Steph Curry. That sounds. That doesn't sound true. 
it um, is. There, uh, first of all, the gold, the Golden Bachelor itself is bananas. Not to True. be ageist, but I need to go on a television show to find a wife before I die is fucking wild. <laughs> and I only know that exists because I keep seeing ads for it, like, with, like on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like... It looks like there's a new version of the $10,000 pyramid that's called the $100,000 pyramid with Michael Strahan as the host. That's, that that's correct. That seems like a, a gag from 30 Rock. Well, almost everything on network television is game shows right now because of the strikes. Oh, uh, yeah. So, that, that's, I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So press your luck and $100,000 pyramid are on, are on uh, ABC. Really, just exhuming the corpses of other game shows, of like old shows. Yeah, what if Spider Man went on Shark Tank? Like, was he is he is he pitching like web shooters? Yeah, Spider Man go on Shark Tank. That's a comic. (laughs) Spider Man go on Shark Tank number one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right, we got one more on the list from. Jesse, which is Late Night of the Superstars from Avengers number 239. That's the, that Avengers issue. I have with, not read. That's the Avengers issue with David Letterman. Yeah, I'm not a Letterman guy. I know you are. Oh, I am. I definitely but I, am. I am neither an Avengers guy, uh, classically, uh, or a David Letterman guy. I was a David Letterman guy from uh, very early on. Roger's voice. <clears throat> I was a David Letterman guy from very early on. That I I went too far with it. I went <laughs> I, I I went I, I went into caricature, and I apologize to Tim Rogers. So, okay, the premise of this issue of Avengers is that the Avengers have agreed to be guests on late night with David Letterman. And it's not what you want, like that Saturday night live issue of Marvel team up. It doesn't lean in the way you want it to. It really doesn't, because also it's worth noting this is an assistant editor's month comic. Yeah, which yeah. was when Marvel was like, "We're gonna we're gonna be wacky for a little bit, and we're gonna th- the bit is that we let the assistant editors be in charge, and they gave all the books the DC go go checks and like an old school DC style logo, uh-huh. but it's a, but it's a Marvel logo." Which is such a weird, that's such a weird inside baseball ass joke for, for like, for anyone who is not like, how did that happen before the internet? <laughs> like, it's such a weird bit. Um, well, it, if, if anything is representative of the humor of David Letterman. In this comic book, it's that idea. Because in the story itself, Dave doesn't really feel like Dave. 
like he's just a host of a TV show that the Avengers are going on. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of drawn to look like David Letterman. But he looks kind of more like the version of David Letterman from that TV movie, The Late Shift. I was going to say, there's, there, I have two options for what David Letterman in this comic looks like. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a doll haunted by the spirit of serial killer Charles Lee Ray. He definitely has a Chucky vibe to him, yeah. Or he looks like a haunted ventriloquist dummy. I don't know if this comes up on like if if you read the comic in its original uh, form, like if if you have a copy that was printed on that paper. But in the version that is on Marvel Unlimited, where the colors are crisp, I did not. David Letterman, redhead. David Letterman got red hair like a fucking Jean Grey in here. Yeah, that's why I say he looks like the the version of of Letterman from that TV movie, The Late Shift, about Uh how. Jay Leno got the Tonight Show instead of him. Mm-hmm. Because Letterman on his show used to always complain about how they gave him red hair in that movie. And he was like, I don't have red hair. Can you say uh, that, but in your in your Tim Rogers voice? I don't have red hair. That's pretty good. That was better. That was that a was better good. Tim Rogers. Uh, Roger Stern wrote this issue, by the way. Um, and the art is by Al Milgram and Joe Sinnott. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to go too hard on Al Milgram here, <laughs> but compared to the art from that Saturday night live issue, not th- does not hold up, does not compare. I mean, I feel okay well, going a little hard on Al Milgram here because I, I've long been an Al Milgram defender. Sure. I'm a member of the Al Milgram Defenders. <laughs> uh, hey, um, you know what's wild about this comic? You know who the villain of this comic is? Uh, Fabian Stankiewicz. Fucking Fabian. Yeah. From, from the Groonies. From the Groonies. I believe, if this is not the first appearance of Fabian Stankiewicz, it's one of the earliest ones. I'm, I, think, I think this is first to know. It's not. He first appeared in uh, Avengers 217. So this is a while after that. But he, it is Fabian Stankiewicz when he was the Mechanaut. And he is making everything in the studio go haywire to attack the Avengers while they're on Dave's show. So then after like the Avengers all get distracted by being shot with rockets inside Dave's studio. Fabian comes down from the audience and sits in the chair on on stage, which would not be allowed. That man would be tackled. Uh, But he sits down. Matt, fucking, fucking Black Panther is there and is unable to stop him. Do you think Paul Schaefer is going to take, like... Gonna take that risk when uh, Paul Schaefer, who does not look anything like Paul Schaefer in this comic, yes. No, I I thought he was like I did not recognize him when I was flipping through this. Yeah. So anyway, 
Fabian comes and sits down next to Dave, and he's like, hey, Dave, interview me. I'm going to tell you all about how I'm using my machines to attack the Avengers. And then Dave hits him with a giant doorknob. Yeah, you know, the classic David Letterman doorknob. Classic doorknob. There was a bit. There was a bit on Late Night with David Letterman that involved a giant doorknob. Was there? That sounds wild. So it is like an actual reference to a thing from the show. But Dave doesn't feel like Dave to me in this. Like, it's it's just off. It's he's got red hair and it's a little bit off. He looks like arcade. He, that was that was my second thing. Uh, yeah. I said I had two things that he looks like. One was Chucky, and the other is arcade. Yeah, I love that tan double-breasted suit he's wearing. That that caramel brown double-breasted yeah. suit that David Letterman yeah. is rocking in this comic, which is also not accurate. Like back in the late night days, that is not how Dave dressed. It just like looking at this back to back with the SNL issue is very enlightening because the SNL issue is just, like I said, it was all of everything, right? It was all SNL, the SNL stuff. And you could tell that Claremont was a fan and he liked all the characters and he liked all those actors and he wanted to do right by them. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. I am looking at, I'm looking at it by the way, because I just thought this doorknob thing came out of nowhere, but you're, you're right. There was a, a, recurring bit in 1982 about a giant doorknob but it's but it's wrong in the comic it's the wrong color yeah Yeah. and i've i've so i will occasionally just uh look at the david letterman youtube channel because they'll like post old stuff that i've never seen before and it's like old goofy stuff from the nbc show that like you know, I'm interested to see what what that stuff was because I never got to see it when it was on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll post like the doorknob thing, and it was always it was always this like weird non sequitur with the giant doorknob, right? Because it's kind of what that show was, like the the late night show that came on at twelve thirty. And here he's just like got it behind his desk like it's there all the time and he hits Fabian in the head with it. Well maybe he was going to do a bit with uh like Hawkeye <laughs> about the giant Ant-Man. doorknob. He was going to be like this is just a normal sized doorknob for giant man. <laughs> yeah. I uh, so I was going to say I guess today's ver- version of this but like the, I'm years out of date on that cuz I was going to be like Let's put the Jason Aaron roster of Avengers on Craig Ferguson. Craig Ferguson doesn't do that show anymore. Craig Ferguson hasn't done that show for many years. The yeah. host who came after Craig Ferguson has left. Now. Yeah. So I guess it would be it would be Colbert, right? It would be well, okay. So who's the equivalent of I mean the host of late night now is Seth Myers. Oh, what's Colbert? So, Colbert does the Letterman sh- Letter- Letterman CBS show. Oh, okay. 
The host currently of Letterman's NBC show is Seth Meyers. So I okay. guess it would be Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers with with the Jason Aaron Avengers showing up. Or with, with the Jed McKay Avengers, yeah. I guess the Jed McKay Avengers, if we did it right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although, well, I guess the writers are not on strike now, so I don't know if like, the late night shows are actually back yet, but um, it could be about the strike being over, I guess. I don't know. I think this comic, I think this issue of Avengers is disappointing. It like, it doesn't lean in enough on the goofy or the superhero stuff of it all. It's mm-hmm. just trying to advance like the plot of Avengers while also having David Letterman in it. And that doesn't work. If you're going to put a real celebrity in your comic, you have to halt everything else and make it one goofy one-off single issue. That Marvel team up issue proves it. Yeah, but I mean that's that's what this was supposed to be, right? I mean that that was in a lot of the assistant editors months. That's the gag, is that they're just going to like stop the ongoing stuff and do something weird for a bit. But it it but it doesn't it doesn't totally. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we get uh, I don't think we get Fabian and the Groonies without this though. So we got to give. Oh, it that. absolutely not. Yeah, we got to give it that Arena. <laughs> we gotta give it that grabbing a sandwich at the automat you, you have to realize that Fabian would have never done that been in that story where he did a drug he did this, do a drug he did a drug and Cap had to be like hey don't do a drug I'm looking Fabian. at this fucking David Letterman on the cover this Alfred E. Newman ass David Letterman it's on the cover of this comic it's fucking wild I want to know what Dave thought of this at the time. Because I'm sure part of him thought it was cool, but he had to have seen the art and been like, this is what they think I look like? I don't know, man. I would be more mad on Paul Schaefer's behalf. Paul looks like just a guy in a Captain America t-shirt. Um, I, this is not as good. This is not as good as either Goody Rickles or the Saturday Night Live issue. Yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling down, but uh, this is, this is all you, bud. Uh, okay. (sighs) Hmm. Maybe like, I'm just looking at different Avengers things. All right, Tales of the Pet Avengers is at number 1067. I would rather read that. Oh, yeah, obviously. 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 Garfield Alone is at 1089. I'd rather read that. Avengers 214 Ghost Rider versus Avengers is at 1099. I'd rather read that. The Todd Show is at 11.04. Let's see. Uh, Okay, I think it's better than X-23 Target X, which is at number 11.28. Okay. 
But Akewood roast beef writing celebrity obituaries, which is at eleven twenty six, is better. Okay. I think Spider Man twenty ninety nine meets Spider Man is better. So this is the new eleven twenty eight. All right, Avengers number two thirty nine, late night of the superstars. And I'll just put in parentheses Letterman for this issue. All right. We have a little bit of time left in this special, but I don't think nearly enough to finish an entire list. So as much as it pains me to say it, I guess we're going to start a list from Robert Secundus. We can just hang out. I mean, we could just... uh, I, I don't think that's what people are paying us to do. I mean, I, I mean, no, but also yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let's let's start this list from Robert Secundus. It does have a comic strip on it. Is it automatically disqualified? Ah, uh, what is it? It's a Nancy. Uh, uh, an Ernie Bushnell and Nancy or an Olivia James Nancy? Olivia James. All right, let's do it. All right. Well, it's the third. The, the Nancy is the third on the list, so we'll we'll get to it. Okay. The first one on uh, Robert's list. It. Well, okay. These are three of the earliest stories we have not ranked from great runs that we have begun to rank, according to Robert. The first one is Uncanny X-Men numbers 94 through 95, the story where they fight Count Nefaria. It's fine. It's, it's, (laughs) It's an early story in the run. I mean, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's, it's, I don't know what to tell you other than it's fine. Cause like, I, I mean, it's, it's perfectly acceptable and it's certainly like worlds better than, you know, uncanny X-Men 93, which is a reprint of a Roy Thomas issue. Uh, but like, you know, you know, giant size happens. This is the first, uh, the first Claremont Dave Cockrum story. So yeah. it's kind of, setting some groundwork for what we'll see, but like it's not run, quite there yet. It's not quite there yet. That run kicks into high gear at 100. Yeah. And then nobody it looks, looks, doesn't look back. Yeah. Nobody looks quite like they should yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Wolverine looks a little off. Cyclops looks a little off. Jean Grey is still wearing her Marvel Girl costume. Like, just nobody looks quite like they should. Yeah. Which is no shade to Dave Cockrum. But yeah, they, they don't look like they what they come to look like later. Banshee's a fucking mess. Beast Banshee looks, looks like, like he's one million years old. <laughs> Beast looks like Nightcrawler. Yeah. 
Uh, this is also the story where uh, Thunderbird dies. Oh, that's right, yeah. Which is... I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's weird to look back at it. And... I, I, like, at the time, this, this book had, like, the most diverse cast in comics. Right? Like, that was the whole deal with, like, the, the all new, all different X Men. They're all from, they're literally all from different countries, except yeah. for Scott and Gene, who are sticking around for a little bit. But, like, th- so killing off Thunderbird isn't like, it's, I don't know, like, it's, it's not like, oh, they killed off the, the one Native American guy on the team. They, they do kill off a guy who's not the least interesting guy on the team. True. And for some reason, uh, they don't kill Banshee. I, I guess because he's got to stick around so they can find out about those fucking leprechauns he's got in his castle, which I think happens in 96. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's a weird choice that does set the tone for the rest of the run, right? Because it's it's like literally on the cover, not a hoax, not a dream. This issue in X-Men dies. And if you were going to sum up the Claremont, 17 years of Chris Claremont writing this comic in one cover blurb, that's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could put that on a lot of covers. Yeah. Because I mean, like that, like that's the big thing that kind of sets this run of X-Men apart. Like, you know, we always, uh, uh, we, not you and me, but like, we in the the world of comics always talk about you know Gwen Stacy dying being like oh when, when comics grew up, uh, but it, that's kind of not like it's kind of more like the X Men showed up and just people started dropping like flies. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's fine. Bog standard early Claremont X-Men. It is interesting how this is the second Claremont story we've talked about. And in the first one, Spider-Man fights an X-Men villain, Silver Samurai. Mm-hmm. And in this one, the X-Men fight an Avengers villain, Count Nefaria. Because there just wasn't that hard line of like, these are these characters villains quite yet. Which has always been more the case in the Marvel universe than in DC comics, Uh, which I, I really love about the Marvel universe. I mean, like when we talk about the villains, we really like it's arcade. It's the wrecking crew. It's doc, you know, Dr. Doom even who, who has a, you know, Doctor Doom has a guy that he fights. He has a guy that he that, that is his arch nemesis, but he will also show up and fucking ruin Spider Man's day. Yeah, he'll fight Luke Cage over some. He'll fight Luke Cage. Yeah, over some cash. Yeah, he'll do it. Yeah. All right, find me a spot for this this uh, X Men story. This perfectly fine X Men story. It is readable comics, you know, like 
I don't like if the list wasn't top heavy, I would say put this one in the dead fucking center, you know? Perfectly fine uh-huh. comics. Uh I think it's <sighs> I think it's not as good as Emerald Twilight, which is at twelve twenty, which is just where I stopped scrolling. Uh I it's definitely better than Team America. The Dirt Bike comic. As much as I have some affection for that book, that's at twelve ninety-three. Yeah, okay. Is it I mean, is it better than Old Man Logan? No. I would say no. Is it... I would, I would rather read it than Earth-X. And I'd okay. rather read it than that uh, David Lapham Batman book. Okay. What is Spider-Man Fusion? That's a Paul Jenkins book. Paul, from Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 30 to 32. What is that one? Uh, I'll have to remind myself. Okay, okay. never mind. I think it's better than Curse of the Mutants, but not as good as the Sentry. So that puts it number twelve seventy three. All right, so goes it. So that is Uncanny X Men. (laughs) Uncanny X Men numbers ninety four through ninety five. What what is the title of that story? The Doomsmith Scenario. Oh, you just said it. Okay. Yeah. Is the is the There's title also of War Hunt? Is that what that says? That is what that says. That's a Chris Claremont ass title, isn't it? <laughs> Chris Claremont. Here's what Chris Claremont loves. Take two words, put them together. Life death. Yeah. War hunt. War hunt. That font is almost unreadable on War Hunt. It's not a good font. Yeah. The, you, know what the, you know what the real problem is with this? No disrespect. No disrespect. Karen Mantlow lettered these. Uh, no disrespect. Perfectly adequate lettering. But you know it's not till Tommy Orr shows up. The, the letter that it gets good. Yeah. Tom Orr's a Like I said... Baby. Like I said... This story is perfectly fine. It's just not. There. It's not there yet. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's not. It's not Claremont X Men quite yet. Yeah, but it'll get there. It'll get there. It's, get, it's gonna get there. It's gonna get there in like six months. And again, like you read another Marvel comic from like nineteen seventy five. It's it's still pretty good. Oh, like it's comparatively, yeah. Head and shoulders ahead of most of what else Marvel is publishing at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even the Spider-Man books were kind of like figuring out what they were. 75 was a that. weird time for Spider-Man. It was a weird time for comics. <laughs> it is a weird time for comics. That's like, really getting that, into like the mid-Bronze Age stuff where it's like, we we don't know what we're doing anymore. I mean... Those Batman Brave and the Bold issues we talked about earlier were good, and those were all in 1975, 1976. Yeah. But, like, I feel like every superhero's, 
like identity and sense of who they were and sense of what their deal was was shifting in yeah. the mid seventies. We're not gonna sit here and act like those comics aren't weird as hell. Yeah, it's a transitional period. <laughs> we are transitioning like the, we're into the Bronze Age, but it, it's like really transitioning from like Silver Age high morality to something weirder and yeah. darker. Uh, when it would get really dark in the eighties. Anyway, yeah, an interesting time for comics. That's gonna do it for this every story ever special. Please remind us to finish this list from Robert Secundus uh, on the next special. Uh, before we record it friends thank you uh we will be back to do to finish that and then also probably do some every spooky evers for october um if you want to send us yeah if you want to send us some every story ever lists you can do it at our email address which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com you can also get in touch with us on tumblr warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com we're on Blue Sky at War Rocket Ajax. Social. You can uh, join our Discord, which you have to be invited to be a member of. But uh, all you have to do is ask for an invitation in one of the places I just mentioned, and you can join our Discord. You can also ask for an invitation to our Discord on Patreon, the place that ensures that these specials come out every month. Patreon.com slash War Rocket Ajax. You can kick in as little as $1 a month there to make sure that we do this show and all the other shows that we do. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. WarRocketWiki.com is the fan-run place, repository of information that has all the info you could ever need about WarRocketAjax. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to MattDWilson.net. It's where you'll find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it's got links to everything that I do. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you again real soon. We sure will. Bye, everybody. We love you. Love you. Forever, 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 ever, forever, ever. Yes! From this day on, as every breed of mongrel lived together.